Hey guys, Texas Slim here. I am in Austin, Texas, capital city of Texas. I moved here when I was 19 years old and I had $125 in my pocket. Well, today I'm sitting in a backdrop and I think it tells a lot of stories. Austin has grown. Uh, the food supply has changed. Our market access to beef has changed. And today I have the president of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association, Dr. Brooke Miller with us. Brooke, how are you doing today? Good, thank you. Just one correction. Technically, I'm the immediate past president. I was, uh, okay, media pass. That's correct. Media yes, pass we, president. Yeah, media pass president of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association, and that's a good lead-in. Uh, let's lead in with the the association first, and then we'll kind of talk about your medical history and where you come from, Brooke. Sure. Uh, you want to know a little bit about United States Cattlemen's Association? Yeah, I think it causes a lot of confusion when we say that. I don't think that people really understand the the collaboration of what it truly is, and the power behind it, and the grassroots movements that you do and facilitate. We are we are truly a grassroots organization and movement. Um, I'm a founding member and uh, just uh, finished my uh, my term as presidency over three years. Um, we basically are, are an organization that promotes the uh, uh, promotes anything that's important to grassroots cattle ranchers, uh, cattle feeders, uh, backgrounders, cow calf guys, um, because uh, as you know. Um, this world has become dominated by uh, big multinational packers who basically have a monopoly over our industry. And our organization, um, we have a presence in Washington, D.C., um, and we basically are trying to work for cattle ranchers on a day-by-day -day basis all over this country. And whatever issue is important to the cattle rancher is important to us. And truly, we're our grassroots organization because our members vote on all of our policy. Um, and it's not the uh, it's not the top the it's not the president or the executive team or the board telling uh, ranchers what they ought to ought to be thinking and saying and wanting. It's it's us listening to uh, the ranchers and 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 the people that we represent. We're a national organization. Yeah, and that, that's some really good clarity. And we're going to come back to that as we get into our dialogue here, uh, Brooke. I want you to kind of explain. You know, you have some history in this. You're multi-generational as far as ranching is concerned. Uh, you chose to go into medical. You end up, you know, living in the close to the Shenandoah Valley, the Shenandoah National Park. Your, your ranch is out there in Virginia, outside of Washington, Virginia. Give us a little back history of your family, of who you are, and kind of your why of what you're doing and why you're doing it and, you know, the what and the how, really. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um I'm a uh, eighth generation Virginian. Live right here on this 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 ranch in in uh, or live in this area in Rappahannock County, um, Virginia. It's right at the base of the Blue Ridge Mountains, one of the most beautiful places on the face of the earth. Um, third generation cattle rancher, um, and uh, unfortunately, I'm a dying breed. And I remember <clears throat> you probably heard me talk about this before, Slim, but uh, just for our our viewers. Uh, I've been a cattleman since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. I mean, I've, I've loved, loved animals and livestock, but uh, loved cattle, and it, and it bonded with me with my father. We used to spend a lot of summer evenings and, and, and even evenings uh, the rest of the year, but summer were the longest longest days. We'd spend a lot of summer evenings walking through the pasture, looking at cattle, checking cattle, and talking. And uh, I was a little boy, and, and finally one day my dad asked me, he said, what, son, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, dad, I want to be a cattle rancher. I want to raise cattle and ranch. 
And he looked at me in all seriousness and he said, well, you better find another good job. And that really <clears throat> hit me. And it, today it continues to hit me because I have four children and none of them are going to be able to um, continue with what I do uh, unless they have a huge, you know, a really sizable outside income. Because unfortunately, while the cattle industry is not subsidized by the government, it is subsidized by outside money. And I know a lot of really good ranchers that um, work their butts off are really smart. And unfortunately, they're not getting paid for their product as no, neither are, are most cattle ranchers. And uh, I've just pretty much taken it on as one of my life's missions to try to uh, rectify that situation. Uh, uh, it's not right. It's, it's harmful in multiple ways uh, to our country. Um, it's basically raping rural America of wealth and economic value. Um, it's uh, harming our nation's citizens and their health. I'm, 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 I took my father's uh, recommendation and I, and I went on to become a, a physician, which I've, I now have two full-time jobs. I'm a family physician here in Washington, Virginia and a full-time cattle rancher. And uh, I see on a day-by-day -day basis how big food, the big food industrial complex has completely uh, change the narrative into what is healthy. They can take highly processed foods that uh, are basically waste products, um, throw a little of this in them, a little bit of that in them, and, and none of it which is healthy, and it's destroying the health of America. Uh, I was a young teenager in 1978, about the same age as you, and uh, I heard a statistic the other day, and it certainly certainly true. The average woman today outweighs the average man from 1978. And it's because of the obesity and health crisis that we, we see. Um, on a daily basis, I have to try to re-educate people about the, the health and well-being of beef and whole natural foods and how to try to get away from processed crap. So those are two of my, my main passions is, is health and wellness and restoring the viability of cattle ranching for this country. Because I truly believe that as you know, more and more cattle ranchers are getting old and, and retiring and there's nobody to uh, to replace them. And uh, there will be a critical mass time where we will be completely dependent upon uh, foreign countries and these foreign national multinational packers that really don't care about this country. They care about one thing and that's their profits. And uh, that's a national security crisis as far as I'm concerned. So I've, I've sort of taken that as one of my life's missions. I tell my wife and my children all, all the time that everybody needs a purpose in life, and that's one of my purposes in life. Um, so that's why I'm so um, uh, so adamant about this, and so uh, I work so hard at it. And, you know, it, it's, it's a fascinating journey that you explain because, you know, to honor your, your, your uh, heritage, your ancestors, everything that you came from, we have thousands of families that have come exactly where you came from. The source of the seed is the same. It's from the soil up. It was based on animal welfare, soil welfare, basically feeding your family the best nutrition you could. That's It's as simple as that. And what we have lost as a nation is basically that freedom to do so from a financial standpoint, from an educational standpoint. You know, whenever I was in Thailand, they have something called the elders doctrine. 
that they kind of live by. And what that is, it's a passing of intelligence of food. And what that does, it does start from the ground up. And, you know, to make that your life mission, you know, that's what I chose to do about four years ago as well. We come from different parts of the country. We come from, I'm from West Texas, you know, the Yano Estacado. It's a different, it's a different world. But one thing is the same as the cow and where we come from, as far as basically knowing what the cow has done and clean food, clean nutritional protein, what it's done from our, for our nation and how we've actually lost it. And you bring up the point of the multinational corporations, the packers, the processors, the distributors, whatever you need to understand and associate them with, we have lost basically market access to our nutrition and to the, the empowerment and the basically the ability for the independent sovereign rancher to be able to facilitate what our grandparents did in a way that they did it. And that's because we now have very few people processing our food. I think it's 80% of multinational companies are now processing 80% of our food. Well, that says something right there. And you bring up a point, and I want people to understand what you just said. If we lose control of the market access and the ability to process our own animal protein, we are handing it over to foreign companies that basically have nothing in mind except to control the consumption model of a nation. And when they can do that, it doesn't matter who controls the money. It doesn't matter who controls anything. If they control the food in the way they do, that means our children will not have the ability to have the nutritional background in which you and I came from. It's as simple as that. And this is what we're doing as far as a collaboration with the Beef Initiative and the U.S. Cattlemen's Association and anybody that chooses to come through this gateway. And that's what we're doing. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, a couple of points that I want to just elaborate on. Uh, this is so, uh, the success of the American rancher and the American farmer is so important to this nation uh, because, you know, by raping uh, rural America of its wealth, by, by skimming all the profits off and, uh, basically farmers and ranchers having just a, barely a subsistence for what they do that's so important. You, you ruin the economic uh, scenario of the scene on, on, in rural America, and, and rural America is, is wrought with poverty and drug addiction, and um, uh, it's, it's, it's just harmful. It's, just, it's, it's really sad what, what this lack of true free market capitalism in, in our uh, nation's breadbasket through the West and Midwest and rural Virginia and, and Texas has done to those economies and to the people there. And, uh, you know, that's one thing. And then the health thing is another thing. But the other thing is, is, you know, I live in Virginia. I live about 70 miles southwest of Washington, D.C. And it's rural area. But let me tell you something. There are not many cattle here. Why aren't there many cattle here? Because it's not profitable. You drive down the pro and in, and in, in, in this in this area of the world we have uh, something called land use taxation, where in order to promote and prevent everything from being developed and growing houses, um, they have we have something called land use taxation. And land use taxation is put in to try to help farmers and ranchers uh, keep their property in farmers farms and ranches. Uh, well, we have a lot of wealthy people that move in here and buy big properties, and they have no inclination and no knowledge to to continue on the ranching. And and so they'll, you know, 
rent out or basically give their property to somebody just to run cattle or give their property just to uh, somebody to make hay on. Uh, and you see a lot of these properties are being, they're being mismanaged. You look at a property that's owned and run uh, by a cattle rancher and look at the health of the grass and the environment and the soils. And then you go buy a property that is not in agriculture and it is just starkly different on the quality of the grasses and the abundance of the grasses and the diversification of the grasses on those properties. Cattle are obviously good for our environment, despite what a lot of the environmental alarmists and extremists uh, want to try to uh, say. I mean, I think that's just another another uh, push for you know control over our lives, and uh, it's just a it's just evident when you go by these places where they have cattle and they're being actively farmed and ranched in an appropriate manner versus the ones where they're just raping the land and taking hay off or, or not putting anything back. It's, uh, it's so it's bad for the proper, bad for the land. It's bad for the environment and it's bad for the economy for, to not have a healthy uh, cattle rancher. You know, let's go back to the communities, the rural communities, because I come from small town, Texas, you come from small town, Virginia. You know, I drove over 60,000 miles last year in about seven months across this nation. And everywhere I went, I saw a new layer of poverty on top of the existing layer of poverty. The existing layer of poverty really took hold in the 70s. And that was a time that we went through a, a basically industrial food shift. And we went through, you know, we, we got off the, the gold standard with our dollar. We debased our money. We debased our food in ways that people don't understand. We debased our land, too. And we basically took the power out of those small communities. And, uh, you know, how did that happen? What was the consequence? Well, one thing that happened, and I'll refer to Texas, is that we had 254 counties in the state of Texas, right? That's how many counties we have. We also had 254 processing centers. Those processing centers were in those small communities and they processed the basically animal protein that that community raised in the regenerative way in which you say. And they had many different protocols, you know, with beef back then. Everybody does. We have different genetics. We have different inputs. We have all kinds of different things. You can't really compare and contrast. What you do is you collaborate. And that's what our grandfathers and ancestors did. They collaborated on how to use the land tools, the cattle themselves, to better the land so you could have another year of basically sustainability of your food, of your animals, your family, and the soil. And that is something that has been taken out of our basically mindset and intelligence base within our academic institutions, within the lives of our children, because they're not in rural America anymore. Everybody fled to the city starting in the 80s. And so you do see a pattern over the last 50 years, and that is the timeline of your and I's you know, lifespan here. That's how we can reflect on this. This is how we can understand where we came from, the issues at hand, and where we want to take this. And it becomes daunting to a lot of people. And, you know, I always basically how I created the beef initiative. I went up to Justin Trammell in Canyon, Texas, where I grew up and I went and shook his hand and we had a conversation and I built a relationship with him. And, you know, whenever people kind of understand this type of food intelligence and lack thereof and what has happened to this nation, they don't know where to start. They really don't. It's like, a, what can I do as the individual? And, you know, that's that's as simple as I can do it is establish a relationship with somebody in your community that is basically out there still working to feed you. 
And it's the biggest, basically, asset that you can create in your community. That's my perspective. And, and for you, where you are in Virginia, I think that you have the same thing. And I mean, that's why we're going to have the, the basically the Ginger Hills Beef Initiative Summit there on your ranch so people can come and shake some hands. So um, what are your thoughts on basically whenever you're trying to educate people? And you want them to know what is the best place for somebody really to take hold and change their lifestyle, change their consumer demand to those ranchers, producers that are trying to feed us. Um, not sure exactly what you want me to comment on there. Um, hope uh, straighten me out if I if I'm heading in the wrong direction. No um, problem. First of all, you, you know, try to educate yourself as, as far as nutritional basis. You know, we're fed propaganda every day. The big corporations have a tremendous amount of money and, and, and spend millions and millions of dollars uh, for promotion. And I have people that come in to see me all the time that say, oh, yeah, I eat healthy. And then I ask them what they eat. And I, I have to explain to them that, no, that's, you know, Cheerios are not, are not healthy. They're not heart healthy. <laughs> yeah, they're not heart healthy. Uh, you know, uh, so that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, as a cattle rancher, you know, I and most of the cattle ranchers that I know, they they would be more than happy to establish a relationship with, you know, the average person from the city, uh, because there's so many misconceptions about what cattle ranchers do and what they're all about. And um, I think getting to know one would would certainly give them appreciation for how much hard work and then how much uh, Heart and effort and uh, just, you know, your heart and soul, you put your heart and soul into it when you when you run a ranch or or, or a farm and it's what you love to do. You wouldn't do it if, if you didn't love to do it. I mean, nobody does it for the money. That's for sure. Um, and I think it would give each other uh, a better understanding of one another. Like, uh, you know, we are raising this food regeneratively and it is healthy and we're not tainting it with these growth hormones and these antibiotics and this and that. And so I think just opening up, just like just shaking a hand and opening up uh, a dialogue will help both sides, the, the consumer and the producer better understand one another and, and what they want. You know, I think consumers, they need to educate themselves about what's going on in, in, in the world today and how uh, they're being fooled with labels that are mislabeled and uh, fooled with advertising. Uh, one of my pet peeves is that when I go to the grocery store, which is very, very seldom, but you walk in there and you see these big signs and it says low fat. It's like, oh, this is healthy. I'm going to go get it because it's low fat. Well, that's code for high sugar. And uh, consumers got to realize that low fat is not healthy and that that high fat is not bad for you. It's actually good for you. Um, so I think, you know, consumers can educate themselves by looking uh, for other sources of nutritional ex uh, uh, education and also getting to know farmers and ranchers and, and farmers and ranchers would benefit from that, that, uh, that process as well. You bring up a good point, you know, in the beef initiative is about education. You're about education as far as from the medical and the ranching uh, side of the coin. Uh, one thing that I've met and that I've discovered meeting all the ranchers that have come through the beef initiative is that I asked them and every one of them almost to the T, they always say, well, I'm an educator first. I love to educate people. 
I love to educate about why I do what I do and how I do it because it is. It, it's you know, it's proof of work. It's saying, hey, this is this is what I find valuable in my life, and I want you to understand, you know, everything that's involved with what I do, even though it's hard. And most ranchers second guess themselves every day, saying, why am I doing this? You know, I was talking with Cole Bolton the other day with hometown meats and KNC cattle down in Luling. And we were on the phone with each other and he was delivering some product to basically a local resident. He goes, hey, hold on a second, Slim. And he put his phone in his pocket and this uh, the, the, the customer, you know, shook his hand. Cole and them had a conversation, but the, the, the customer said, I just want you. He found out that I was on the phone with Cole at the same time. And he goes, I just want both of y'all to know that y'all are doing God's work. This is amazing what you guys are doing because I'm feeding my family now. I didn't know I had this opportunity or this access to be able to have access to this type of beef, to this type of nutrition. And that's what I really want everybody to understand is that you, you can build a relationship, you can get educated, and it really does start with shaking a man's or woman's hand that is in the ranching industry across this nation. It's it's definitely something that is achievable by all. And, you know, that's why I really encourage everybody to kind of point your compass in, in the direction and what you, what the beef initiative is doing, what the U.S. Cattlemen's Associations are doing. This collaboration that's going on is actually something that's going to gain momentum. And it has because, you know, you and I met each other a little over six, seven months ago. And here we are. We're going to have, a, you know, a summit at your ranch. And it's based on really one thing. In the end, it's based on giving the voice to the great American rancher and in collaboration of being a health initiative for this nation as well. And how do we do that together? We're going to kind of explain it there at the ranch itself at the summit yeah. itself let's talk Absolutely. about what we're, what are we going to do there let's let's give everybody kind of a a tour of what they can expect whenever they do come to the beef initiative summit at ginger hill angus ranch well we're gonna first off we're gonna we're gonna run some tours in the morning for anybody that's interested in actually touring the turn the uh the program and uh, look at the cattle look at look at the grass uh look look how we manage our cattle how they're cared for uh, and what goes into cattle ranching and try to explain, you know, uh, you know, the day to day process that goes into raising, you know, good quality beef. Um, then I'll welcome and welcome everybody and tell them a little bit about the history of, of Ginger Hill Angus. And obviously you're going to be there and we hope Cole will come up as well and talk about the processing end of it. Um, we're going to have several panels. Um, we're going to have a woman's panel. And I think the uh, the name of it is. Um, what's the name of the woman's panel? It's uh, increasing. Uh, I can't I always just reflect back to the heritage woman. Yeah. Navigating, uh, uh, navigating connectivity or something. Anyway, basically how to get back to, to, to raising families uh, like they should be and, and, and uh, how to, you know, avoid the perils that there's so many perils that go on uh, in today's world. Um, we're going to have uh, a portion where uh, Leah Biondo from USCA and I talk about what, what we're doing at USCA and the uh, important initiatives in Washington, D.C. that we're working on. Um, I'm going to talk about health and wellness. Um, and as our keynote speaker, we're going to have Robert Malone, who's a good, good friend of mine. He's going to talk about 
uh, basically anything to talk about, but he's an easy investor <laughs> in technology and is a, a huge critic of, of the mRNA vaccines. And I think the new hot topic that's coming out is, there, is they've been uh, doing studies and research on mRNA vaccines and livestock. And so uh, he's going to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, just try to let everybody know what's know what's going on with 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 that and what the future holds for for the beef industry and the livestock industry. But I think it's going to be a very educational uh, event. We're also, as you know, we 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 slaughtered a steer the other day. He's hanging now. Uh, he'll be coming in quarters, and Butch will be uh, slicing him up and and preparing him to to uh, eat and basically give him a demonstration on how that's done and and preparing for the. Uh, the participants there so they can watch their meat being prepared and and cooked right there on an open fire. That's a good rundown. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be driving from central Texas all the way up to Virginia. And one thing that uh, basically, you know, uh, coming back from overseas, the one big hot topic, and I think it's a, it's a golden opportunity for you and I right now to set the record straight, to get everybody understanding mRNA vaccines in cattle and uh, basically livestock. Let's, let's tell the nation right now with authority, where do we stand? What can we do? What does the individual need to understand? What does the mother and father need to basically um begin to pay attention to when it comes to these types of vaccination programs that are going on or might be going on. They haven't yet, but I'll let you kind of set the record straight. Let's get an even playing floor and get some clarity going because there's a lot of confusion out there. Yeah, there is a lot of confusion. And basically, you know, as, as we know with, with the most recent pandemic and the RNA uh, vaccines that were used for COVID-19, uh, there wasn't complete transparency. Um, we were told a lot of things. We were a lot of things were misrepresented. The average consumer thought that these vaccines were well. First of all, they didn't really understand how they worked, uh, but they thought that these vaccines were like any typical vaccine. Uh, they also thought that they were safe and effective. Uh, they never basically uh, did any long-term safety trials on them. It was rushed through, and uh, they also uh, didn't do any. Um, trials to show that the vaccine actually prevented infection, which it doesn't. Um, so I think the first thing that the American consumer needs to do is demand transparency on these trials, um, because we just don't want to take anybody's word for it that they say, hey, it's like this, like this. No, let's show us the data. Let's let experts, let's look experts outside of pharma uh, look at the data and say, yeah, it is safe. It is effective. Um, but until we get those trials, I think there should be some pushback on it because we don't know what the long-term ramifications would be. They, initially, they told us the mRNA vaccines uh, for humans, uh, they were going to inject it in your shoulder and it was going to stay there and be gone within, you know, five to seven days. Now we're finding out that uh, there are studies that show that it's, it's, it's in your body, can be in your body for at least six months. Who knows if it's in longer and it continues to produce uh, the pathogenic spike protein. And that's one of the reasons why we're seeing uh, so many adverse events is because uh, the, the pathogen is actually continually being produced uh, in, in the human body. There are a lot of things that, that, that need to be answered. Does it uh, permanently chain your genome? Um, some Swedish scientists have shown that the mRNA vaccines for COVID-19 in 
vitro, meaning in an, in a in a in a in a lab setting, uh, can reverse transcriptase itself into the DNA of human liver cells. Uh, that's that's scary to me. Um, does it reverse transcriptase into your uh, you know your genetic material so you will pass this down to future generations? Um, it has been shown that spike protein and, and mRNA is in the breast of, of, of breast milk on mothers. So we need there are a lot of safety trials that we just need to demand that they're done. I'm not anti-progress, anti-technology. I am somebody's gonna say I'm anti-science if I'm against mRNA vaccines. No, I'm not anti-science, I'm pro-science. We just need to do the science right. And we need and the consuming public needs to demand this and they need to educate them, themselves on this and not just take everything as, you know, a slick paper advertising. I mean, I'm, I'm a doctor and, and, and pharmaceutical reps come in all the time and they, they show you these slick paper, you know, ads with all these, you know, figures, but uh, we want to know how you got to that. How do you, you get to that, uh, that point? Um, so that's my biggest, my biggest concern is, is to make sure that there are long-term safety trials, good, accurate long-term safety trials. All the data is completely transparent, and that the vaccine is is does what it's supposed to do, and is as safe as what they say it is. And, I mean, that's a fantastic you know overview of like where we came from, where we are, where we're going to move forward. One thing that keeps popping up in my head, and, and we all want change. We all want everybody to do good and you know the pharmaceutical companies and the multinational corporations to do good but i'm going to start getting very firm with this the reason they do what they do is because of our consumer demand and of our acceptance we accepted a lack of transparency we accept the fact that we know that we're not eating the best food we accept a lot of things that basically kind of help fuel the fire to say and so if we can change the consumer de demand, basically, of, you know, ourselves are basically the independent person that is, you know, makes up the family, makes up the community, then they won't do it anymore. And we don't have to participate. We don't have to ask for permission here to eat good food and to have clean health. Yeah. And, you know, that's a great point. Uh, you know, in my medical practice every day, uh, when I get a new patient that comes in, um, I, I always ask them what their vaccine status is because it's important for me as a physician uh, to know their vaccine status for, for both pros and cons. And uh, overwhelmingly, um, most of the people say that are new patients come in and say, no, I didn't get it, or yes, I got it, but I'm not taking anymore. And I think there has been a you know massive pushback against this at least in the COVID pandemic, the vaccine. And I think it's going to spill over uh, into the cattle industry as far as consumers and what consumers think is healthy. And th that was the reason why I want to demand complete transparency, because if it isn't healthy, it doesn't need to be used. If it is healthy and safe, then we need to make everybody comfortable with it, because I think this will be a big negative uh, black eye for beef and beef consumption and affect negatively affect beef consumption if it's just pushed through and we don't have any transparency and the, and the general public doesn't have a real good sense that this is indeed safe. You know, and one good way that the individual and, you know, the consumer can do is, is to stop right now, stop basically buying from the multinationals, 
basically go ahead and establish that relationship with the rancher because you are not going to accept mRNA in your cattle. It's as simple as that. Everybody yeah, and, in the beef, go ahead. Yeah, when 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 you you're exactly right. I mean, when 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 somebody comes to me and and I mean, we as you know, we're you're a purebred seed stock operation, but we do have we we do sell um uh beef to consumers and we just did that, you know, basically with a backyard barbecue and and the word spread and uh now we I mean, I don't have to advertise at all and we just get rid of all the beef that that we produce in that in that in that part of our program. Uh but you know, when you look a consumer in the eye and they look the, the, the rancher in the eye and they develop a relationship, they, there's a lot of trust there. There's a lot of trust to that rancher and there's a lot of trust uh, the rancher has with the consumer to make sure he's going to pay uh, pay for the product and, and not try to, you know, pull any monkey business. But there's a lot of trust there. And, the, and they can ask the rancher exactly how this beef is raised and what this beef has had. And they'll know exactly where it came from and know whether it has any products that are not natural in it. Uh, all they got to do is ask and develop that relationship. So that's that's a huge point. And uh, I'm finding that more and more people want to know where their beef comes from. They they get a superior product when they buy it directly from the rancher. And uh, I, I think if if I didn't raise cattle, I would definitely, uh, I know a lot of ranchers, I would definitely buy my beef locally and not buy, buy it from the big multinationals. That's it's a no-brainer. And, you know, I always say it's so simple, it's complicated. You know, we're kind of that far removed, you know, from the lifestyle, from Western heritage, from, you know, the cattle rancher itself, from food itself. And I, I tell people, I said, your life improves when you go out there and establish a relationship with a, a person that's trying to feed you. And it comes with obligation. And that obligation comes with the form of trust that I think this nation is yearning for. We want that transparency. We want that authenticity of relationship and of food. And it's the best, basically, roadmap that you can take as far as a family, as a parent, as an individual to, you know, change your lifestyle, change your behavior a little bit and you understand the true value that goes along with establishing that relationship that does lead to a form of trust that, you know, my life is better because I've met you, Brooke. And that's something that people need to understand. This my is goodness. not about, yeah, this is not a, thank you. And this is not about being a consumer. This is about exchanging value for value. This is about establishing relationship with somebody you want to send Christmas cards to every year it's an obligation that our grandparents had it's a form of building community in this digital world in which we live in we know for a fact that not everybody's going to be able to leave manhattan or boston or whatever major metropolitan area and go shake a rancher's hand but through platforms and grassroots grassroots movements such as the u.s cattlemen's association and the beef initiative you can either physically go in there and, and basically drive down the turnpike or whatever you need to do to go shake a rancher's hand or you can come through and digitally shake a rancher's hand and make that connection and wherever the entry point is, this is what we are doing collectively together. 
And why, that's why we have these events. It's, the, it's for the education to bring clarity to the confusion that's going on, the corruption of information, the information war that we're living in, the censorship that Robert Malone had to go through during the, uh, the last three years, the censorship of basically anybody understanding what's going on in the beef industry, because that is controlled by the multinational processing centers. The amount of money that they have behind the force in which they have become is daunting. Well, how do you get out of this? And you get out of, you know, the multinational corporations is basically, you know, taking that freedom of uh, being able to uh, steward our lives in ways that a lot of people don't understand. And why we have these events is it is the education. It is going out there and, and being close to the land tools themselves, getting out there on the land and being able to meet those people and establishing those relationships that mean something to you right now. We can do it in a digital way through the Beef Initiative and U.S. Cattlemen's Association's platforms. It's a form of networking that is somewhat decentralized. It is something that we all have the opportunity, and now we have the pathway. The pathway is very broad, but the gateway is becoming more and more narrow of how people can get this form of food intelligence. And, you know, I encourage everybody to basically, you know, I talk about a consumption model. Your audio, your video, and your food consumption model are correlated in ways that I think a lot of people don't understand. And if you can change your consumption model, it leads into a health initiative. Our children of this nation deserve better health. They deserve better nutrition. You have this backdrop behind me. I'm in Austin, Texas. I'm right next to the University of Texas, right there. It's the 40 acres. I came here when I was 19 years old. This strip behind me was local restaurants, local food that was sourced locally from barbecue joints to burger joints to Mexican food. It's all gone now. And it's all you can look. It's fast food, fast food, fast food. I tell everybody that fast food and convenience stores are now or fast food is the new restaurant and the convenience store is the new supermarket. And it couldn't be more true. And this is what right now I'm sitting in a food desert in the richest city of youth and young minds in the state of Texas. And it's a food desert. And I think a lot of people don't understand how much and how far we've come and how far we've been separated from having market access to that clean food. And yeah, you're, you exactly, know, you're exactly right, because most people most people are going to um, supermarkets. And, I, you know, I went into a supermarket uh, back over Christmas and I was appalled at the quality of the food that was being offered for sale and the promotion that it was they, they were pushing on these people and it's just it's addictive it's sugar is the most addictive uh drug on the planet i mean it's more dig, dig, addictive than you know all these drugs because you know what about probably about 80 90 percent of our population is addicted to it um and m- most of my day is just uh spent at trying to re-educate people to uh, to get them to take control of their 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 health and their well-being uh, and the biggest thing is 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 the quality and the type of food that they eat. Um, I fight this every day. Diabetes and fatty liver disease are probably two of the biggest things that I see on a day-to-day basis. And people can take control of their health and improve their health and their lot in life uh, just by 
you know, eating good, clean foods like beef. Um, as you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a carnivore and I changed, uh, my, uh, uh, health, uh, through cutting out carbs and plant food. Um, I see it over and over and over again. You can reverse. I wasn't a type two diabetic, but I probably had something called metabolic syndrome where my blood pressure was high. My triglyceride counts were high. My good cholesterol, quote, HDL cholesterol was low. Uh, within three months of, of being a total carnivore, I had reversed all of that. I got off antihypertensive medication. Um, my cholesterol and lipid panel improved dramatically. Um, and some other things that I noticed was, was, you know, I have a family history of Alzheimer's dementia. And one of my fears is, is developing Alzheimer's dementia in my lifetime. And I'm trying to do everything I can to prevent that and eating good, healthy, whole food, which beef is probably the number one food that I do eat, uh, improves mental clarity and improves brain function and reduces uh, inflammation throughout the body and throughout the brain. And, and I can tell it when, uh, when, when I eat right and when I don't eat right. And, um, you know, the other place that I can tell it is in my joints. I'm 62 years old, almost 63 years old. I used to be a competitive uh, master's CrossFitter, um, but really don't have the time to do that. And I have an arthritic shoulder that uh, injured from years of sports and athletics growing up. Um, but I was getting so when I was eating a standard American diet, I was getting so I picking up the weight was was painful uh, in my hands and my wrists. Um, go on, go back on a complete carnivore diet where you eliminate all plant food. And within three to five days, all the arthritis in my, in my hands had left. My shoulder was feeling immensely better. So there's so many health uh, benefits from, from beef. Um, and uh, I just want the, the general public to know that because I see so much disease and morbidity and mortality brought on by these crap foods that are, that are these waste products that are being sold through the grocery stores. And if you buy from directly from the source, you're not going to get that crap food. You're going to get good, healthy food. The other thing that I hear all the time is, well, I love beef, but I just can't afford it. Well, that's poppycock too. Your mm -hmm. grocery bill will go down if all you eat is good, clean food. You will not consume as much. You will not be obsessed about food. Um, and the other thing it'll help is, is, I mean, your health. You won't have any health bills either. So. It's, it's economically, it makes sense, both from a health standpoint and from a, a monetary standpoint to eat good, clean, health food. I mean, that's a fantastic rundown because, you know, we have a lot of it. First off, Brooke, man, I thought you were about 52 years old. So way to go. man! <laughs> <laughs> it's a compliment. I so. wish. I wish. <laughs> but what you just said, because we have a lot of doctors that come through the beef initiative and kind of see, you know, tell us what they're seeing with their patients. And everyone that you just named off from metabolical, you know, failure to bankruptcy, to diabetes, to heart disease, to joint failure, to inflammation, to fatty liver disease, it's all across the board, right? And, you know, the, the health of this nation is bankrupt. We, we prove it every day. 88% of our population at this point in time is now metabolically deficient or compromised. And a lot of people don't even know what metabolical health means. But what it means, it's overall health of basically who you are. Mind, body, and spirit goes along with your metabolical health. You can't deny it. And it's something that we have lost over the last 50 years, our lifetimes. 
And so everything that you just said is reflected with all, every person, rancher and doctor coming through the beef initiative and everybody that you speak with, uh, you know, your friends, we're friends with Dr. Sean Baker. You know, we don't, we have testimony. This is what this is. This is proof of work. This is something that basically does change people's lives. It's not a marketing plan. It's something that we, from a grassroots level, want people to know about. And the amount of basically idealism that's thrown into the marketing plans to our youth, to our children, to the women of this nation, you know, whenever you can get a society to nutritionally starve themselves willingly based on these idealistic labeling and marketing plans, you know you don't have to do much else because their health will fail and they will be compliant and they'll basically need you. And it's a form of codependency that really is, is getting scary. And what we have to do, it's we, the individuals, have to start taking action. We have to listen to the people that are living it. And you're one of those. I mean, very few people out there right now in the United States of America is both a rancher and a doctor. So you really cannot argue with the proof of work and what you see on a daily basis and how it correlates. And I told everybody about the beef initiative from the beginning. I said, it's a great American health initiative, and it's going to be led by the great American ranching. And a lot of people... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go. I think that's one of the things that why I'm so passionate about the beef initiative uh, is because I am a doctor and I see on a day to day basis how people have ruined their health. One of the you know, when I when I try to educate people and I tell them about eating beef and what it can do for you. Unfortunately. uh, Most of America has been uh, brainwashed about cholesterol as cholesterol causing heart disease and fat causing heart disease. And it's just blatantly false. Um, you know, when I came through medical school, there were no such things as statins, but there were a lot of drugs that lowered cholesterol and, and the pharmaceutical industry, even with their, the way they design these studies to, 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 to come out like they want them to, they could not design a study where these cholesterol lowering drugs reduce your risk of heart disease or stroke. Well, finally, they came out with some studies that showed some minor, some, some, some not great, but some significant reduction in recurrent heart attack in people who had uh, had had heart disease and strokes uh, with the statins, and everybody jumped on it. Oh my God! It's because they lower your cholesterol. They do lower your cholesterol, but it's all about inflammation. It's in that inflammation in the arterial wall uh, that causes the damage, that lays down the plaque, that causes or predisposes you to atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, stroke, and heart attack. And they don't understand that that is driven by excess carbohydrates, excess insulins, insulin in resi- insulin resistance and inflammation. And, you know, a good healthy beef diet can reverse all that. And if, I just spend my time educating people on this and I see the health benefits every day on those that, that do take my advice and change their diets. And that's, that's one reason why I'm so passionate about this, because if we lose the American rancher, we're going to lose, we're going to lose our source of healthy food too in this country. And it's really going to be disastrous uh, for this country on multiple levels. And as you know, the, the, the big food industry and, and, and big pharma, they're pretty much in collaboration. I mean, big food, yeah. sugar and processed food and seed oils. And then big pharma says, well, the only thing that we can do about this is give you drugs. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's just a, a, a really, really, really bad health model. That's for sure. But it's a great model. If you want to, you know, buy stock and, 
in one of the pharmaceutical country, uh, companies or the big food companies and make a lot of profit. That's for sure. Well, that profit's getting less and less, you know, uh, you know, our money's, you know, we have hyperinflation, you know, the dollar getting devalued as we speak in a lot of different ways. And, and one thing that you can do is I always say, get back to the source of the seed of where we came from, you know, and people, people are yearning for a lifestyle change. They are lear- uh, yearning for some education that does come from, you know, transparency and authenticity. And, you know, I told everybody from the beginning as well, this is this is an international lifestyle that you just don't understand yet. And, you know, the thing about there are no borders here to good health. There are no borders on how you uh, steward the land and the animals. There are no borders on how we can steward our families moving forward. And what we do is we work together. We we take out the competition uh, mindset. We take out the scarcity mindset. And we know that there's a wealth of knowledge out there because our ancestors gave it to us. We know there's a wealth of nutrition out there because we're living proof of it. And we try to do that every day. We want everybody to understand. We want to share. We want to give back. We want to collaborate. We want to open up our gates. And that's what you know, a lot, you know, the, the rancher might not know how to open up its gate. And I know coming from big tech, being a research analyst for my adult life, you know, growing up in agriculture in West Texas, being in big tech, that the rancher has never had a voice in the last 50 years. They haven't had a digital voice and they haven't been able to open up their gates to their community because they lost their community because those processing centers were taken out of their communities and handed over to the multinational corporations. It was a basically, you know, an effect that happened throughout the decades. One thing that the Beef Initiative is going to do this year, and I know that you're behind us 100%, is that we are going to basically start consulting on processing centers because we have proof of work. We have precedents in the state of Texas as far as the state of Texas licenses and certifications, and we have USDA. We know what passes the regulatory um, uh, basically regulations, the inspections themselves. And the one problem that a lot of people don't understand about processing centers is that the law doesn't even know how to enforce the microprocessing center regulations and inspections. And that's something that we're going to start bringing a lot of clarity to. Whenever you have a processing center that processes 5,000 cattle a day, all the way down to a microprocessing center that might do five a day or two a day, well, those inspections and regulations are a lot different. The law hasn't caught up with itself. And that's what we're doing in the Beef Initiative Association Council is we're basically saying, hey, we've got precedents here and we can do this across the nation. And we're ready to do that. And we're ready to move forward with that. Yeah, that's that's so important because the bottleneck, as you know, is processing right currently. And right now, there's so few processors in this area. I have to schedule cattle at least a year in advance. Yeah. Before I even have, I just, you know, I know I'm going to have some consumers uh, before I know how many, how many cattle, I just sort of got to estimate how many I'm going to have to slaughter the, the, the next year. Um, but that is a huge, huge roadblock uh, for cattle ranchers. And we do need more small microprocessors all over the country, be a lot more efficiently to, to uh, feed our nation and not ship these cattle all over, all over the country uh, to these big, huge uh, multinational mega plants where if one mega plant goes offline we all all of a sudden we have shortage of beef in the grocery store um that's just a poor you know that's just a poor model 
but for years and years and years, we were told bigger is more efficient and bigger is better. And now we've come, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic when, when uh, a couple of the workers in, in some of these plants got infected and they, they basically had to shut them down. That just created terrible shortages in the su supply chain. And what we saw was not only shortages in the supply chain, but we saw the multinationals uh, basically taking advantage of that and jacking up prices in the grocery store to astronomical amounts. And then also reducing producers' uh, prices because they said, oh, we don't have any capacity to kill your cattle. We can't, we can't pay you X, but we can pay you X minus Y. Um, and, and then the consumers, you know, seeing these bit really high priced beef in the grocery store and they, you know, they were forced, they had no other, no other choice. Whereas if they uh, had a relationship with a rancher, um, their food supply would have been not only a lot healthier, but a lot more steady and, and a lot more reliable. Um, the other thing you mentioned was, was inflation and our dollar. And, and that's one of the other things that brought me to the beef initiative. And while I'm not even close to be, I'm still, uh, uh, an infant in my ability to discuss Bitcoin, uh, but the freedom uh, and the independence that 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 uh, that does, that basically signifies is just makes it a no-brainer to me. Where people can exchange value uh, at the flick of a button without having anybody in between it, and nobody making more of them to make yours less wor less worthless. I mean. You know, the dollar bill that I have in my pocket now is probably worth and buy about half as much as it could a year ago. Yeah. Especially when you take in, into account the interest rates and inflation that, uh, that, they're, that they're putting on it. It's, uh, so, you know, this beef initiative is about freedom, sound monetary policy, health, uh, regenerative agriculture, and uh, ensuring our nation's food supply. It really is. And, you know, I want everybody to, you know, the good point to bring up right now, since you you kind of mentioned, you know, uh, Bitcoin, the beef initiative, the why behind it all, uh, you know, the, the, the beef initiative is always for the, the voice of the American rancher and producer. One thing that they, you know, that they rely on is good monetary means. And whenever I saw Bitcoin and what it did, it's a peer to peer transaction. And what it is, is nobody can control that peer-to-peer -peer transaction. It's legal. It is basically, you know, Bitcoin is looked at as property. Um, the ranchers that spend a little time to start educating on Bitcoin, they get it. They have that mindset, that decentralized peer-to-peer -peer mindset that our, our grandfathers did. It, it is a handshake that nobody can tell you you can't do that handshake. That's why it's such a powerful tool. And it is. It's a tool. It's technology. It's just like anything else. And, you know, we're so early on, but the ranchers that do get it, I always tell them, I say, okay, how much are you paying the credit card company right now whenever you, you know, have to swap that credit card? Well, that's 3% that that rancher producer that you have to do whenever you sell a box of beef or whatever you're selling, a half a, you know, half a cow or a quarter cow, whatever it is. Well, hey, rancher producer, why don't you eliminate that 3%, just save it in Bitcoin, and you can continue doing your business where you're saving money now instead of giving it to the basically the, you know, the credit card companies. There's an entry point of discovery for everybody that basically wants to use Bitcoin. And one thing that the producers and ranchers probably, you know, there's a lot of nefarious, you know, information about Bitcoin itself, too. Well, we know it's legal. We know it's property. It is technology. A lot of people are afraid of technology. 
I remember coming up through big tech when people were terrified to buy a pair of shoes on the internet. <laughs> you know, they didn't want to use their credit card, but, and it's the same with, you know, technology. It takes a while for, you know, adoption and acceptance and transformation and, you know, for people to really start bringing it into their lives. I believe it's one of the most powerful tools that have come down the pipe for the rancher producer who wants to sell peer to peer to the people that are in their community or whoever they're basically, you know, consumer is. Yeah, I agree. And I think these, these micro summits uh, that we're having here, the beef initiative micro summits are, are going to be so helpful, not only uh, in, uh, you know, connecting consumers to, to uh, ranchers, but, you know, there are a lot of uh, people that, that already know a little bit about Bitcoin that will be attending this, that want to get good, healthy food. And, and I think uh, it goes a long way to uh, basically educate American ranchers how to use Bitcoin to their advantage. And um, I'm just hopeful that that we'll get a little bit of both at, at this. Uh, well, I think we will. I mean, we had seven of them last year in 2022. And one thing that we found out from the very beginning, it's been a year since we had our first summit in Kerrville. The very first one, a good friend of mine, David, he said, I can't believe it. He goes, we have Bitcoiners, orange pilling ranchers, and ranchers ranch pilling Bitcoiners. And it's all <laughs> balanced. It's like a good balance that's going on, and it is. It's yeah. an equal opportunity of education, and everybody yeah. just gets along. And it is a fascinating thing to watch. Well, one thing that I've, I've noticed, uh, you know, I'm a freedom lover like you are, and, and cattle ranchers are definitely freedom lovers. And so are Bitcoiners. So it's it's pretty much a marriage made in heaven uh, to have uh, two groups that are pretty diverse and very different, yet have the same ideals and goals in life. Uh, very similar. It's 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 rather refreshing. It really is. And we were on the phone last week and I think we were having kind of a, a call for the, the summit itself. And you brought up that fact. I mean, coming from where you are as far as a rancher, a doctor, you know, coming from the outside, not understanding Bitcoin, but you were talking to Liz, you know, and she's kind of taking over the event coordination for the Beef Initiative. You're saying and you told her, you said, man, the Bitcoiners are a very tight group of people. They really are. They're very intentional. You know, just the way that we basically collaborate and how we organize and, you know, communicate you don't see it too much. And I have to, I have to back you up on that. It's true. It's, it's one of the most powerful aspects of the beef initiative from the very beginning. Cole Bolton asked me, he goes, why did you in the beginning he goes, why did you start with Bitcoin? But then he called me up about, you know, three months later, he goes, I know exactly why you started with the Bitcoin community. And to give people a little bit of backstory, you know, you and I didn't know each other. We would have never have met each other, no matter how much the Beef Initiative had success and U.S. Cattlemen's Association had success. It was brought together by first Amanda and Matt, knowing Marty Bent, Marty Bent reading out to you, you doing a podcast with Marty Bent. I've done podcasts with Marty Bent. And here we go. We have a collaboration that was grassroots. It's yeah. grass fed. It's done yeah. in a decentralized way that happens naturally and holistically. That is powerful. It really yeah, is. it's just just a stroke of luck that uh, my son-in-law and daughter are Bitcoiners, and I'm a cattle. Right. <laughs> that's how I that's how I got to meet you and Marty and and Cole and everybody. So, 
Yeah. And then you, we, we, you know, we were there in Nashville together. You came to the, the, the one in at Bitcoin park and we went to the, the national convention there in Nashville as well for the U S cattlemen's association. You were able to meet Cole Bolton. You were able to meet Jason Rick of Rick ranches, you know, and Cole's multi-generational rancher, Jason's first generational out there in Colorado. They do a lot of things differently, but they do have an association and they have a friendship now. And it's basically it's because of Bitcoin It's because yeah. they they've adopted beef and Bitcoin. And once you get it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> yeah, I know we as we as American ranchers, I mean, we're you know, the United States Cattle Association is going to continue to fight the good fight and try to, uh, uh, you know, lobby and, and and get laws and rules and regulations passed that are favorable for the American uh, cattle ranchers. But, you know, cattle ranchers, if we're going to survive as a we've got to start looking at things differently and, and doing things different. And uh, the beef initiative basically uh, goes around that, that regulatory uh, portion to us to an extent uh, to try to, you know, direct market to, to, to people and consumers. And, you know, we get these surveys, these post, uh, post serve, post uh, a meeting surveys and, and, they ask people, why didn't you come? Was it too expensive to this, to that? And unfortunately, what we saw a lot of responses were on why people in the United States Cattlemen Association, if they didn't come to Nashville, uh, it was one, I'm too old. Okay, so we got the American cattle rancher that is basically dying off. Two, I have no help. Why does he have no help? Because it's not profitable enough for him to employ somebody that could take care of the ranch while he's while he's gone and takes two days to go to Nashville to to meet and network with people all all over all over the world or three I couldn't afford it <laughs> yeah that's, that's pretty bad I mean there's three bad big huge rules I mean we got an old population of people we've got financial restrictions and no help I mean how can that model sustain itself it can't. And, and, and it's, it's, it's now it's by design because of we know the nefarious stuff that's going on against the rancher, against beef itself on, the, on a global front and even on the national front by the multinationals. And yeah, you bring they want, up. They want, yeah, they want to they want to tell you how beef is bad for you and how beef is bad for the environment. Yet they want to control the food sources. They want to give you fake food. They want to make it in a lab and tell you that it's good for you and it's healthier. And it's just a bunch of poppycock. None of it is transparent at all. How could we improve upon the model of what Mother Nature and God gave us? Exactly. And, and, and to that point, a lot of people don't really realize beef production across this world is going to go up. What's going to happen is the United States citizens going to have very little market access to that beef. And that is being done by the multinational corporations because they're selling our resources to the highest bidders on the global market that is the plan and it's not that cows are going away there's more cows than ever and they're going to be even more cows but you're yeah, just not going to have they're going they're to force slave labor and child labor in brazil to grow grow our food well and that's something that a lot of people you know i call it the brazilian cattle drive they don't understand who created the basically brazilian beef industry and where that came from that's a whole podcast within itself but you know one of the multinational processing centers is out of brazil 
And they would never, they would love the multinational processing center that's in Brazil would love nothing more for you to eat Brazilian beef and for our beef that are grown either in Virginia or Texas or anywhere else across the United States, for you not to have market access and it's sold to another foreign uh company basically or a country that basically will pay more and then you would get to eat the the slop basically that's all it is the dog food and that's where we're going and a lot of people already are doing that and they don't even know it because they don't even know the country of origin of their beef once again the lack of really stern labeling laws when it comes to animal proteins and the way that they've corrupted the the system is is daunting and that's what a lot of people don't understand right there yeah they want you to eat slop they want you to eat something that bill gates manufactured like the impossible burger they call it the impossible burger probably because it's impossible to eat <laughs> exactly <laughs> it really is but you know what they i saw a video of old bill gates and he was up there and i just you know i don't like the guy anyways he he He's he's just he something a picture else. of health. Yeah, he is a picture of health. That guy telling me how to eat and how to live. But he said, and you can go out there and probably find it. He goes, Hey, we've got the texture down. You know, we know what we're doing because we don't have the taste down, but we're almost there. Yeah. And it, and they do. And you look at a company like Royal DSM out of the Netherlands. What do they do? Well, they've hijacked our taste buds in, in ways people don't understand. And they are confident that people will consume, you know, yeah. this basically impossible meat. And a lot of times people do. They just don't know because it's it's hidden within the ingredients itself. And yeah, so, they can con- they convinced enough people and uh, pull the wool over enough people's eyes to take the COVID nineteen mRNA shot. Uh, I guess. Yep. They can fool people into taking anything that they want them to take. Well, look behind me. All these 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 uh these fast food restaurants, they basically are engineered. They are engineered by food science. You know, and food is not science. Food is biology, and that's what people have lost. They do not understand where food truly comes from. We have to learn how to eat the earth again. And how we get there is we're going out there, we're gonna open up gates. And, and Brooke, you're going to open up your gate, and and I'm honored uh, to to have met you. I'm honored that we get to go down this path together, this journey, as far as the collaboration. And we want everybody to pay attention here, and we want everybody to get their butts to Virginia on April 22nd. So I tell you, what, it's going to it's going to be a great time. There's no prettier place on the face of the earth than being in Virginia in mid to late April, and uh, we have a beautiful ranch here. Uh, we have some tremendous cattle and some tremendous genetics. Um, I want to share with, with the world, basically what we do, our lifestyle, why we love it so much. And also, uh, impart some of my, hopefully my, my wisdom from 37 years of being a physician and seeing uh, health and wellness and uh, improve people's health through, through, uh, food and and intentional behavior. It's going to be amazing. And I can't wait to take another road trip across this nation and, and for it to be the, the highlight of 2023 to kick this, this year off. I mean, it's going to be exciting. So let's give some people some back. All right, all right, where do you want people to go look right now when they're listening to this? We're going to put it in the show notes and everything, but you have a website. Give any information that you want people to follow up on. And of course, I'm going to put this in the Substack in the newsletter and everything but let's go ahead you go ahead and let everybody know what they should be google searching these days 
Well, they should be searching uh, Google searching the Beep Initiative and 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 click on upcoming events and then uh, go to uh, get tickets. And once you get to hit to that button that says get, get tickets, it explains the entire event. Explains there's a bio from all the people that are on the panel. We have some of the greatest Bitcoiners uh, in the world on the face of the earth uh, that'll be there. That'll that'll be educating uh, everybody there about that. We'll have. You know, obviously myself, a cattle rancher, we have Leah Biondo, who uh, is uh, in Washington, D.C. for United States Cattlemen's Association. We have um, my wife, Anne, who's a registered nurse and nurse practitioner. Um, we have um, Robert and Jill Malone. Robert is the uh, uh, basically one of the world's most foremost authorities on mRNA technology. Uh, he uh, developed it. He's a huge critic of the mRNA uh, COVID vaccines, and he's going to try to educate uh, he and Jill. Jill has actually has a, a background in, in animal science as well, and she's a PhD, and she's going, they're going to educate the people on uh, mRNA technology and livestock use and other, other uh, uh, topics uh, that Robert is uh, so passionate about. He himself is a great lover of freedom. Uh, and uh, I think he loves Bitcoin, too. <laughs> That's even better. You know, he's got a lot of people that are paying attention to him these days because of his journey that he just went through and, you know, the the expert that he is. And one of the fun things that we're also going to do here is we're going to, you know, we're going to have that Dane Cattleman's Feast. And, you know, what is the Cattleman's Feast? Well, what it is, it's, it's education of the parts of the cow that we don't even have access to. And why do we not have access to them? Because the multinational processing centers do not basically allow you to have access to them. And so a Cattleman's Feast is, to your point earlier, is that you think that basically consuming beef from a rancher is expensive. It's not. There's an entry point forever, but there's mothers out there trying to feed their children right now. And the Cattleman's Feast is based on that demand. We want to give them market access to beef that they don't even know exists. Cuts of the cow that you can be educated in with the Cattleman's Feast. And, you know, that's that's something that we're really going to explode this year. We're going to replace the backyard barbecue with a cattleman's feast because we're going to give everybody market access to parts of the cow that our grandparents used to feed us. And basically they knew everything about. So this is going to be a hell of a journey this year. This is going to be kicked off on April 22nd at your ranch. Well, one, other, one other thing I want to, I want to highlight is, is, well, you will experience it for the first time, but my wife puts on a great hamburger feast with, all kinds of good, healthy food with it. And uh, it's a lunch before the cattleman's feast. So we're going to actually feed them twice, not just once. That's true. Hopefully uh, you'll agree with me that it'll be probably the best backyard uh, lunch barbecue that you've ever been to in your life uh, in a beautiful setting. So we've got two, two great uh, uh, meals waiting for people. Uh, so I think the value is definitely, definitely there for people. And, and I will say one thing. So if you're coming, if you don't want to get hooked on beef, don't come. 
Exactly. Just don't, just don't even, don't even take up the space. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that always happens with these events is like, Hey, is there any lodging? Well, there's plenty of lodging around Washington, Virginia and the base of, you know, the ranch right there that's close to the Shenandoah National Park and the whole Shenandoah area, the valley, everything. It, like you said, it's some of the most beautiful parts of the, of the country and the world at this time of the year. Yeah, so. we're 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 blessed with some great bed and breakfasts right here in the county, close to close to our property. Uh, but there also there also uh, some you know commercial lodging within 25 miles in Warrington, Virginia, Culpeper, Virginia, Luray, Virginia, Front Royal, uh, basically in all four different directions. So it's 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 just a you know a short 20 20 minute ride from basically all those places to our ranch, um, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. I'm getting fired up, and uh, you know me, I like to talk so. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, I just I just took a trip with my son overseas for two months. You know, it's his ride of passage. And uh, I just dropped him off yesterday here in Austin at his mom's house. Well, he drove himself. But anyways, you know, he's tired of listening to me talk. So I need a new audience. And so <laughs> <laughs> let's kick it off. But, uh, you know, everybody's going to be seeing this Sunday night. This is we're going to release this. And, you know, time is of, of the essence, folks. Don't don't get stuck in analysis paralysis. Take a chance. Take off work. Do whatever you got to do. Make time. Make room in your budget. Make room in your heart, your mind, your spirit. This is something that's bigger than all of us. And there's a lot of great people that are coming into this mission, into this movement. And it takes each and one of every one of you to participate. This is intentional living. It's not random consumption of your audio, your video, or your food. This is a lifestyle that this country deserves. It's where we came from. And we've got a lot of people that are willing to lead this. Lead with us. Take the time. Let's feed our children. This is about saving children's lives. This is about giving these children the nutritional value in which Brooke and I basically were raised with from the ranch itself. So, Brooke, on that note, I want to say thank you. I'm very grateful to have you in my life and to be participating with you in this movement with your family and everybody else. And, and, and on that note, you and I are about to talk to old Butch and, and work out some details on that cattleman's feast. Is there anything in closing you'd like to say? Well, yeah, I, I just, I just want people to feel uh, welcome when they come to our, 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 our ranch. And uh, we're, we're more than happy to, uh, Take the time to speak to them individually, uh, show them around and show them our life. I will say that, you know, we have a couple of things that they can learn a little bit about myself and our ranch. Uh, obviously, I have a Facebook page, Brooke Miller, MD. We have a Facebook page for our uh, our medical practice, Miller Family Health and Wellness. And we have a Facebook page for Ginger Hill Angus, which is the purebred cattle operation. And then we also have a website for Ginger Hill Angus at www.gingerhillangus.com. So feel free to, to, to look at those, those uh, uh, websites and those Facebook pages to learn a little bit more about us. And uh, I, I look forward to meeting a bunch of new, new, new friends. Fantastic, Brooke. And on that note, I'll follow up with, hey, folks, go to thebeefinitiative.com, upcoming events like Brooke said. And if you want the whole umbrella of content and media that we produce here at Beef Initiative, go to IamTexasLim.com. IamTexasLim.com because I am Texas Slim, folks. And we're going to see you in Virginia. Brooke, thank you. God bless. And we'll see you soon. Likewise. Thank you, Slim. Okay. Take care.
Well, I'll tell you what. The kinds of people that I'm meeting here through the Beef Initiative, who I'm about to meet, who I'm constantly meeting, this was the polar opposite of my life a little over a year ago. So I just got to say thank you to everyone who's come on to Texas Slim show, to I Am Texas Slim podcast. And just hearing Dr. Brooke Miller talk and to hear his graciousness and how he's just so open inviting strangers onto his ranch. And he's like so many ranchers that Texas Slim has brought into the fold here at the Beef Initiative and who have joined our mission. These are all new friends. And so while Bitcoin is about trustlessness, what we're building is about trust. Because what is a world without trust? It's not really one at all. So I just want to say thank you to everyone, including Dr. Brooke Miller here. Now, I just want to read some of the boost messages from last week from all of your Bitcoin streams and boosts, which in the value for value system is another word for tips. So if you value what we do and what we're bringing to the table, all as volunteers, then please consider sending us a boost in the podcasting 2.0 ecosystem. We love to use fountain.fm, but you can go to podcastindex.org and find a list of apps that you might like. I want to encourage everyone to increase their boosts and their support for two incoming staff positions coming into the Beef Initiative and Texas Slims Media, which I'll get into a little bit later. But for now, I just want to say thank you to Nomad Joe. He comes through every week. Thousand sats this week. Florida Beef Initiative. <clears throat> or Florida Beef is a big part of Florida history. Wishing the Florida Beef Initiative a big success. Appreciate that, Joe. 500 sats from user 17828-1955547. Five hundred sats from Busted Canoe every week. Double stake boost. Three hundred and thirty-three sats from a monkey. Love y'all. Keep on spreading the word. And fifteen hundred sats from Bruce R. Lang. Keep on trucking. Bruce is here also every week. I want to thank each and every one of you for always contributing and sharing value with us. This is a community, and we're creating a circular economy, and we're building this thing off of value. So just a few seconds ago, I talked about the two incoming staff, uh, internships, apprenticeships, that are up on the bitcoinerjobs.com website. 
So let me tell you a little bit about those positions. We're looking for a digital media specialist, someone with a good eye, a good eye for art and design, somebody who can do graphic design, video editing, um, all sorts of stuff in that realm. We've got a lot of media that we're about to unfold starting May 10th. Um, we've got the new beefinitiative.com website launched. And so what comes with that is the Texas Slims Media website. So we're going to be rolling out the documentary series, Bitcoin and the Sovereign Rancher, with Texas Slim. And we're going to film his journey. Me and him are going on the road. We're going all across the country. And so we're going to let this thing unfold and we need some help along the way. This is a pretty high demand job. It would be helpful if you were already on your feet in some way and maybe looking to make a career change or looking to contribute some time. But one thing I will say is that we're looking for long-term relationships. This is going to be a global media company. And when you see that every single regenerative rancher needs media production, needs a digital voice, I think that you'll be able to see that this is going to be the largest media company, especially as we continue to make inroads into all walks of life. So for the digital media position, we're seeking a talented and creative interns and apprentices to help us with video editing, graphic design, branding, and all things digital media. This is a value for value position, which means you will be paid primarily with streaming income from, from applications such as podcasting 2.0 with the opportunity to grow into a full-time paid position in the future. At Texas Slims Media, we are committed to building long-lasting relationships, as I said, with the right people. As an intern or apprentice, you will have the opportunity to work with a team of experts and gain invaluable experience in a fast-paced world of the modern-day cattlemen. This position is remote currently, but we don't know what's going to happen in the future. This thing is blowing up. So get on board. You may get a chance to see the world. And you're going to talk to a heck of a lot of interesting people. That I promise you. We're also looking for an internal communications specialist. Uh, Texas Slims Media, a subgroup from the Beef Initiative, is looking for an internal communications operator to support our internal communication efforts. The internal communications operator will be responsible for creating, coordinating, and distributing all internal communication materials for the Beef Initiative. This position is remote, and the successful candidate will work closely with the media and marketing team to ensure that all internal communications are on brand and aligned with our mission. Apply at bitcoinerjobs.com today. Now, on that note, I want to give a huge shout out to the people who have already come in as volunteers, as value for value operators in this Texas Slims media. Um, Specifically, I want to thank a couple people. I want to really, really thank Steve from Echo from Echo Bridge. This is an animation team that's done work for HBO and Netflix. And these guys 
I met them through the Florida Beef Initiative. They bought beef. And now they understand that they need to lead with beef if they're going to orange pill the world. So now Steve, he's a Bitcoiner and he's the head of Echo Bridge Animation Studio. Now he has graciously offered his studio's hands and skills and talents to help make this thing, this Texas Slims media thing, the biggest media company in the world. We're going to scour this earth. And now we have a whole animation team behind us. I like to call it the cavalry. Part of that cavalry is the creative network. These guys have come in and have shown true passion and true insight into what is about to unfold. And that's really what it takes to hang with us. Because I'll be real, you've got to see the future. It's a lot easier than you think. Those with eyes can see, those with ears can hear. And these guys, they've heard. So shout out to Atlas and crew at the Creative Network. And I also want to give a big shout out to Mike the Shooter, Mike the Bitcoin Shooter. This is a videographer and filmmaker. Uh, you've seen his work down at Bitcoin Beach with Max and Stacy. Um, and he's done a lot of excellent work. I mean, this guy's a real pro. And he's also joined the team of volunteers who are going to help us film this event and get all the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, we're going to have three drones flying around Ginger Hill. So this thing's going global and this thing's bigger than anybody realizes. So if you're if you're someone who wants to help, if you've got a serious talent now, I just I just named Netflix and HBO type talent. It doesn't all have to be like that. But if you've got a passion, if you can learn, if you're quick. If you've gone down the beef rabbit hole. That's that's a great first start, because I know myself how my life transformed when I started eating regenerative beef. So if you're somebody whose life is transformed because of that or who's currently going down that rabbit hole, then you've got a leg up on all the competition. I'll just let you know that. So if you've got a dream to be a be a designer, to be an artist, to get involved with something important, if you've got ambitions to grow into something much bigger than what you currently are, it is all possible here. I'm the executive producer of Texas Slims Media. Fix the money. Fix the food. My name is June B. I'm out. <laughs>